there's a scene where the character Alexander, played by Tony Hale, is, is watching a, a comedy bit. Um, is there mm-hmm. anything more fulfilling in this world than hearing Tony Hale laugh? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, he is, he is amazing. This is the CBF Podcast Conversations. Each week, we are bringing you stories from across the world of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and creativity from practitioners, ministers, thinkers, authors, and more. I'm Andy Hale, your podcast host. We're excited about another year of delivering interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. This platform is not designed for you to listen on an island unto yourself. Share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Tucker, Georgia. Warsaw, Poland, San Francisco, California, and Sydney, Australia. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. We also want to give a special shout-out to some of our podcast listener supporters, including Carson Fushi, Cindy Foldendorf, Bill Johnson, Ralph Stocks, and that anonymous person that keeps giving a gift in honor of CBF Prom. And before we move on, we want to give a word of gratitude to our three annual sponsors, the Center for Congregational Health, McAfee's School of Theology, Doctorate and Ministry Program, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. And now, on to our conversation. This podcast is presented to you by the Center for Congregational Health, whose mission is to help faith communities and their leaders thrive. Healthy congregations can transform their communities to be more compassionate, faithful, and just. Utilizing a network of highly skilled coaches, consultants, and intentional interim ministers, the Center supports congregations and ministry leaders to address the challenges they face. Visit their website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about how the Center can be your trusted partner in ministry. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Edson Oda. He's a filmmaker and graduate at the University of Southern California's Master of Fine Arts in Film and Production. Edson, thank you for joining the conversation. Thank you for having me here. Well, excited to get to your film here and discuss it uh, at great length uh, shortly, but love to get to know you a little bit better. I'm I'm sure you've been asked this going through this process of talking with different podcasts and and news outlets, but I'd love to hear about your sense of calling to to the area of film. Yeah, I I was, uh, you know, uh, born and raised in Brazil, um, and uh, I always wanted to do, you know, something related like to, you know, creativity. And uh, um, but at the same time, I was very, you know, um, I wasn't sure if because I, I was, it was very attracted to like uh, fields like sociology and psychology at the time. And um, but uh, but somehow I felt like, you know what, I, I think I. I want to go like more, you know, towards like a uh, creativity and the creative fields in, in the sense of like uh, um, advertising or, you know, filmmaking for me wasn't an option at the time because there's, you know, uh, I think the industry in Brazil, uh, as, as, as uh, you can see like amazing filmmakers, but it's not like uh, in Brazil, but it's not like you have like a, a, a 
easy career as a filmmaker in Brazil. So I, I started advertising and while we're making ads, I, I was having a lot of fun, you know, and, and creating my own stories, but it, it was different because it wasn't like I'm, I was creating my own, my, my stories, but I was creating stories to like sell products or for like a, a brand or something like that. So then I came to the US and it was very, you know, I came to do this, um, it was like a summer program uh, at USC. And uh, the purpose of the program is just like making a short. Uh, and uh, when I was working on my short, it, it was such an interesting, different feeling. Like uh, you, uh, you're creating a story, but it wasn't a story like for any other brand, but it was just my story. And it was almost like when I, when I screened my final project in the theater, and I saw like everyone, you know, connecting to that, what, what they're watching on the screen, they were almost like connecting to me somehow. And it was almost like it was a calling, you know, in a sense, oh, I, I need to, I really need to do this, you know. And then I, I just, uh, I quit my job in Brazil and then I, I moved to the U.S. and started my um, uh, film production, uh, the film production program at USC after that. We certainly uh, join, you know, a bunch of notable uh, alumni from, I'm just thinking of, of course, George Lucas is one of the more remarkable filmmakers that's that's come through the school. Um, yeah. I'd love to get to talk about the film because certainly uh, your love mm -hmm. of philosophy and, and speaking a message to your audience certainly mm -hmm. comes through. So the new yeah. film, your first feature film, Nine Days, you have a fabulous cast, Winston Duke, Bill Skarsgård, uh, Zazie Betts, Tony Hale, Benedict mm -hmm. Wan. This is a, mm -hmm. a beautiful and painful story that hits on so many levels of yeah. human existence. Um, take mm -hmm. us into the creative process of the concept of the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I can say like the, 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 the protagonist, Will, um, his story is based on an uncle of mine. And um, my uncle, he like Will, he was like very sensitive person, like um, um, artistic, kind, you know, human being. Uh, when he was 50, I was 12 at the time, he committed suicide. And um, at that time, it was, it was like, you know, he all of a sudden became the figure of failure to me, you know. It was, it was almost like he, my mind, and he wasn't strong enough to survive the real world. And there was a lot of shame, you know, around his, you know, name, about, about around his past and what he did to himself. And, uh, and, and, and it was just like trying to avoid him, you know, trying to avoid becoming like him. But I think like throughout the years, as you know, I started getting older, I was just started going through like same problems that, you know, problems that he went through, you know, going through the same struggles, you know, uh, uh, dealing with like same sort of pain. And at that moment, you know, I just felt like, oh, so that's what he was going through, you know. And, and instead of trying just to judge him, I, I think I, I, I started, uh, you know, developing more of an empathy towards him. And I think from that empathy and also with that, you know, fear of becoming like him or uh, combined to like, no, I, now I'm going to try to understand who he was and everything. Uh, it came more or less, you know, the, the, the concept for the, the main character, Will. I certainly want to get to, uh, in just a bit talking about, you know, uh, about suicide and mental mm -hmm. health. Um, the, the mm -hmm. film hits on so many wonderful and challenging aspects of being human from, from the expression of art to bullying, from the experience 
of, of nature to the sorrow of suicide. Mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. what, what defines for you the human experience? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, it's, it's interesting, right? Because animals, they go through a lot that we go through. They even, they can love, they can, you know, um, but I think something that we, I think choice is one of the, the things for sure, but it's a conscious, you know, choice in a way that you can, you know, rationalize everything and then come up with a decision that, uh, you know, have an impact in your life and other people's lives, you know? And um, I think, I think, yeah, I think animals like they can, okay, choose like, okay, I, I can eat or maybe I cannot eat, but I think they don't have the, 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 the concept of like consequences or will in, a, in the same way that you have, I think that that is one of the the things that come up come to my mind. I guess there's a scene where the character Alexander, played by Tony Hale, is, is watching a, a comedy bit. Um, is there mm-hmm. anything more fulfilling in this world than hearing Tony Hale laugh? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. He is, is amazing, and uh, it, it's funny because all the all the you know. Uh, that scene is particularly, he was just watching like a, 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 a black screen, you know, it was, there's nothing like going on there. So the laugh was just like, you know, coming from, I don't know what triggered his laugh. It was just like, imagine something and laughing. So we make him, his performance even more remarkable. But Tony is just like, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a genius, man. And, and it's interesting because most of the, you know, funny beats actually, were not written by me. It was just like improvising. So yeah, we was it was like a, we were on set and every time it was like creating this gags and stuff. Where I couldn't just like I was just laughing out loud. I could just have to hold myself not to you know uh, 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 mess with all the recordings. But he was it was spectacular. It was so much fun. Yeah, the diverse expression of human personalities and temperament really draws you into the story. How did you decide the types of personalities and temperaments you wanted represented in the mm-hmm. film? Yeah, that, that's a great question, you know, because I want to somehow them to represent different layers of what humanity somehow, you know, not that I wanted to cover everything, but I wanted to give a little bit of a spectrum in a sense like, okay, this will represent more or less what you see, you know, uh, 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 when you go out, when you talk to friends. But at same point, I, I, I didn't want it to be like a stereotype. That's all. Oh, this is a bad guy. This is like the funny guy. But, uh, but I wanted them to convey specifics, you know, specific like, uh, um, how can I say, uh, manifestations, you know, of behavior, like a I wanted someone who was more like the artistic type or someone who was more like sensitive. Uh, I wanted someone who was like selfless, you know, who would just like think of the others more than she thinks of herself. I wanted someone who was like very, had, had very like um, intense feelings about things and very, you know, loving, very passionate, uh, strong emotions would come to, to her, like as Maria. I, I, I wanted someone who was like a, Oh, a, a pragmatic type of person who would think, you know, uh, I want to do this, I will get this, I will get that. So uh, it, it was, it was kind of a, 
kind of a challenge because if you have like just limited amount of time to show, you know, uh, all these characters, they have to be something that's strong enough so you can have an understanding of, oh, that person represents that. Oh, that person represents this other thing. So sometimes they can even, you know, go almost go with something that could remind us of uh, stereotypes. But I, I try to avoid the most, you know, uh, uh, be um, too, you know, shallow in a way that oh, it's just this guy is this or that. But at the same time, I need to create this kind of uh, uh, differentiation between those characters. Looking to learn about pastoral care in order to enhance your skills as a minister, lay leader, deacon, or member of a community? BSK's Pastoral Care Certificate allows students to earn credentials in pastoral care through a short three-course certificate. Students working towards a certificate in pastoral care will integrate knowledge and experience from both courses and experience in order to develop deeper skills in caring for persons who are in crisis and are suffering. The certificate is a great strategy to improve one's care and counseling as a congregational pastor and other congregational leaders. It will prepare persons to serve in chaplaincy settings, whether paid or volunteer, where a degree and professional certificate as a chaplain is not required, such as law enforcement, fire departments, some prisons, and extended care facilities. It requires nine hours graduate credit that may be rolled into a graduate degree program. BSK certificates may be continuing education for those already earned a graduate degree or starting place for those considering an MDiv. Learn more at bsk.edu backslash options. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. The challenge of being human and living among other humans is that we see the world differently than one another. And um, mm -hmm. we touched on this earlier by talking about, you know, obviously the, the many different types of, of temperaments represented in the film. There's a scene in mm -hmm. which each character witnesses a shooting and then Winston's character yeah. asked them to talk through what they experienced. What was going on in your mind as you wrote this dialogue? Yeah, that that's kind of the survival instinct. It's about survival instinct. It's about like, will you be, um, it's a test in which like, would you uh, do harm the other person to preserve yourself and uh because for will at that scene he's oh, especially after you know he he figured out what happened to amanda he, he want to survive uh, 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 someone who's going to survive and um he, he wants a survivor and 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 then i think that question is like you have to survive at all costs even if by surviving means you need to kill the other person so he, he wants this kind of mentality from, from the candidates. And, and Emma is not able to do that, but Kane is able to, you know, give, give an answer, okay, I would, I would kill the other person to just preserve myself. So that 
test comes from that state of mind that Will was going through at that moment. There's a scene that resonates with me uh, with Bill Skarsgård, mm -hmm. which first I still have a hard time seeing him on the screen as a normal human being after his portrayal of Pennywise <laughs> <laughs> from Stephen King's uh -huh. it that that ruined several weeks of sleep for me seeing him both those films. But um, there's this exchange between Bill and Winston's character in which Bill's character Kane just mm -hmm. wants to know what he has to do to be approved. He just wants to know the rules so that he can play by them. Um, take us a little deeper mm -hmm. into um, your understanding the human desire to, to know what it needs to just live and what limitations that might have on our full human experience. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, because you, when you go oriented, you are so focused in what you want to achieve that you will do anything in order to have it you know so you're, you're so much you know looking at it at the mountain or whatever it is you know and you feel like okay i have to do this i have to do that i have to and 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 i think that's that's kind of very common you know thing for us to do when you you know we have this goal-oriented mind and, and 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 i'm like that you know i know a lot of people like that and, and we we at some point in our lives you know and most maybe most times you know we're like that and uh in and sometimes necessary because we we need to be pragmatic like okay i need to go to the supermarket you know and, and buy you know food you know otherwise they're gonna die you know uh but i think for for other things not necessarily especially when you think about life and what's you know what what it is to be alive and this sort of things it's it, it starts getting tricky because if you, I, I think if you start just like going uh, with like the goals, you somehow, as cliche as it may sound, is just start like losing time for, you know, the journey or for discovery, you know, and, and, and I think, you, and even your self-discovery, because you're, you're going to also be looking for like answers come from somewhere or some like, you know, bigger uh, entity or something like that. So I think like from, from, from that perspective, when you're like more about questioning and trying to find your, your answers and trying to find your journey and what you want, because Emma in the end, different from Bill Skarsgård's character as Aziz's character is about, you know, figuring out her own answers and trying to figure out, do I want to be in the real world? Yes, but is that everything that matters to me? Maybe not. So there is this discovery and she ultimately, I think, discovers something that's even bigger than even being alive somehow. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's uh, that that. Yeah, that's why I have in mind when you when you ask that question. One of the more significant um, arcs of the story is the theme of depression and suicide. And mm -hmm. as you talked about before, your uncle's death inspired much of the story. What, what do you think you're trying to convey to your audience about mental health? Oh yeah, it's I, I I yeah I think it's I want people to it, it's hard I think mental health is so it, it it's it's hard for you to understand something you didn't go through you know and it was interesting because 
when I wasn't having struggles or going through any sort of, you know, mental health problems, for me, it was easy to judge my uncle and see him like uh, this loser, you know, it's even, it's even saying right now that it just like makes me, hurts me, you know, just the way I used to see him. And, and I think as I start going through that, that's when I understood and then I could have more empathy. And I feel like, you know, if at least after they watch this movie or they could have a little bit more empathy, um, you know, toward people who struggle with mental health because mental health is not, struggling mental health is not a choice, you know, it's just like something you go through. Um, and uh, I think like having more empathy for people who are struggling with it, it's already like a, 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 a great uh, uh, first step, you know. Benedict Wong's uh, character represents, uh, to me, hope. Um, so I wonder if you might take us a little deeper into what that character represents to you and, and what you're trying to, to convey to the audience. Yeah, I think he, he represents like, um, um, almost like the consciousness of will uh, in a way of trying to make him listen to, you know, uh, things are other than just like this um, pessimistic feel about the world, you know. Um, I think, I hope, yeah, for sure. It's, it, he, he's like little, you know, when you're, you're going through like difficult times and you uh you can see what's around you uh, uh he he's the one who is trying to just point out at things that you know are not in the shadows you know he, i think he's not necessarily bringing the light because emma somehow he brings the light and and and, and benedict is more like he's he's trying to just you know uh, turn your head towards something that's not just darkness. The film was shot in Utah, this this dry and desert landscape. Um, why is the setting so important to the storytelling? Uh, you, sorry, storytelling of this movie or thinking in movies in general? This This movie in general. This movie, yeah. It's, it, I think it was, it's so important. It's like, you know, the, the landscape, especially because, you know, the, the, the landscape, and that's where um, the final scene, the monologue will happen in this movie. So it, it's almost like the place is a character as well. So uh, you have, you have the house and the house could, it was, it was, um, we built the house in a soundstage. So the the house it could be any soundstage, but the 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 landscape, the the desert, the place where the performance the final art, it, it needed to have this kind of a almost like spiritual quality to it, in, in a way that it has its own life, you know. And and it was interesting that uh, we could feel it in 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 Utah, you know, that 
that energy, you know, coming from that place, that uh, the nature, you know, that essence. I don't know how how we could call it, but it, it was it was there, you know, and um, and and that that was a, a character which always like almost like we felt that was alive or was doing that. So um, it was it, it was great filming Utah and uh, having those um, uh, uh, all that energy coming from those the, the desert. So, um, you know, when I think about um, the words I associate with this film, uh, I think if I had mm -hmm. to pick a word, it would be probably transcendence. Um, so talk to us about your understanding of, of transcendence and, and how that's portrayed in the film. Transcendence, I think transcendence is just you being bigger than your body, I think. Uh, and it can be manifesting in so many different ways. And I think in the film, uh, we you can see that through possibly like you're bigger than your body, you can experience what the other person experiencing. You know, it's almost like this uh, big empathy uh, that I have for other people's feelings. So you're not just you somehow you are the other people around you as well. And I think Emma does that really well. And, and I think it's, it's also about you having the, you know, even those people, they're not inside their bodies yet. So I think it's, it's, a, it's there's this uh, transcendental quality to that yet. They're, they're in their bodies, but they're not in their physical bodies yet. Um, and I think in that sense it's is uh, it's transcendental as well, and uh, and I think it's about yeah I think those those two things yeah they're, they're the things that come to my mind. When you create art, um, you know you you pour so much of your blood, sweat, and tears into it, and certainly filmmaking mm -hmm. is is a unique form of art in the sense that, like for yourself, I mean you wrote the script, you, you, you directed it, you're, you're um, giving oversight to what's happening, but, you know, and the experience ultimately of art, you put it out into the world for people to receive, interpret as, as their own. Um, you know, mm -hmm. what's, what's your hope for those that are going to watch uh, this piece of art? Yeah. First, thanks for no calling in a piece of art. You know, it's just, uh, I feel, uh, well, this this honored you for you to to say that and i think uh, uh, yeah it's interesting because art it's it's about uh opening it to interpretation and to what people want to see and think and feel about it you know so i think for nine days i just i, I don't want it to be like a know something that dogma or something they're just you need to feel that way you need to i just i just want them to watch it and hopefully they will you know uh somehow connect that to some sort of experience they went through joy they went through pain they went through people they loved or anything they went through in their lives you know that they you know uh uh anything if they are able to connect 
the experience watching the movie to the, that experience and, and maybe have a different perspective on that experience, that, that, would, be, that would be amazing. So I think uh, uh, I would be happy with if someone or some people could, you know, do that while or after watching Nine Days. It's such a silly thing about this industry is that you you work so hard uh, and create something and put it out in this world. And then it's naturally, what are you doing next? So I hate to ask this question. Uh, and I know you're here to promote this film, but um, you know, uh -huh. Uh -huh. what's going what's swirling around in your brain right now? What 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 are you putting pad to, you know, pen to pad working on that that we might be looking forward to? Yeah, you know, I when I, I uh, we we premiered nine days, I was so touched by, you know, people uh, coming to me and saying how you know important this movie was and how they connected, you know, to the movie and and, and really it, it 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 really motivated me to just write something, and uh, that was kind of uh, coming from the same place as nine days came from, you know, and it was, and, and so now I'm I'm trying to write something that's uh, you know still personal, intimate, um, with some elements of surrealism, but that I, I want them it to be something that connects in a deeper level with people, uh, you know, uh, 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 hopefully. Uh, so yeah, I'm working in my, my second script now. I'm still like, we you know, in some rough drafts, right, some rough drafts, but uh, um, yeah, I think uh, hopefully, uh, I would have like a, a draft where I can share with people and, you know, uh, ultimately make a movie from it. Yeah. So that's my, my plan for me now. Well, if it just ends up being just this film, I think you're going to be all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for those listening to this, if you want to stay connected with Edson, uh, check out his website, edsonoda.com. Uh, the film is nine days and you can begin to see it here uh, in the month of, of August. Edson, thank you for um, making the time to have this conversation. This, this film is incredible. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your art with the world. Oh, thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you. Thank you. This podcast is presented to you by McAfee School of Theology at Mercer University, who exists to train ministers who inspire the church and the world to imagine, discover, and create God's future. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, the McAfee School of Theology offers doctoral and master's degree programs, including a fully online Master of Divinity degree, the only fully online MDiv offered by a national research university. You can visit their webpage, theology.mercer.edu to learn more about their programs and scholarships. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF's podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, the Center for Congregational Health, and McAvee School of Theology's Doctorate of Ministry program. Check out cbf.net for more information about our church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. Oh, and I don't think we've mentioned this, that you should join the listener community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.